But it really is an awesome opportunity that uh, Alicia and, and, and Sarah are putting on for the congregation. Just a great outreach. Um, many of us, well, not many of us. I don't want to say us because I'm not in this group. Many of you wake up early to work out. And so um, if you're already doing that, here's a great outlet, a great opportunity, and a, a great place to invite somebody uh, to come and be a part of that. And so if you're interested in that, uh, check out the website, and uh, you can register for that. We'd love to have you. Well, my name is Pastor Jason, I'm the adult ministry pastor here, and I get the privilege of uh, reading God's word for us this morning. We've been in this series in Mark, Open Your Eyes, as Jesus is revealing himself to the disciples, and, and they're beginning uh, to somewhat sort of see who he is and what it means for them. And uh, that's where we find ourselves this morning, Jesus continuing to reveal his authority. Um, and as Pastor Kenny's going to show us, he's revealing how that authority can grant us rest. And so with that in mind, I invite you to stand if you're able as we read from God's word. We're in Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. If you want to follow along on your devices or your Bibles, you're welcome to. It will also be up on the screen or close your eyes and just hear the words read over you. This is Mark 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethesda, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded 
For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. The word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for the gift of your word this morning. We thank you that you have made yourself known to us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would grant us this morning eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that understands these words. One that doesn't just intellectually assent to it, but a heart that is transformed. A heart that receives these words, a heart that allows these words to penetrate into our souls and one that causes us to respond by faith, by trusting in you and by walking in your ways. May we encounter you, God our Father, this morning as we marvel at the splendor of Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit, may we know your empowering presence and your presence that allows us to see with spiritual eyes. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jason. And uh, just so you know, there is a, on all of our job descriptions, there's a line that says something like, and anything else requested by leadership. We have requested Joel Klein, our video guy, to do those kind of things to Jason. So just so, just so you know that. No, uh, well, I'm Kenny White. I get to be the campus pastor. Um, the way that, that Friendship Church works is we actually have a co-pastor system. So I'm the campus pastor here in Shakopee, and Matt Clausen is the campus pastor in Prior Lake. And so oftentimes, we will uh, flip spots, and so I'll go over to Prior Lake and clean up his mess. And, and then uh, the following week, I come back over and clean up the mess he had here. So, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, except, so... Let's deal with the elephant in the room. How many of you were here last week? So many of you, most of you were here last week. Um, something occurred and it, it came to my attention kind of by accident. And uh, what happened is shortly after the service, I started to get responses from people checking in on me. And they were going, you know, hey, are you okay? Uh, praying for you. I'm like, thanks. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, because, you know, we should be prayed for and that's great. But it seemed really consistent, you know, like people are really checking in on me. And again, appreciate it, but what's going on? So, uh, I don't know, it was like Tuesday, Monday, Monday evening, somebody came up to me and they actually told me what was going on. And they said, Matt was so kind in the service. And he said some nice things about you in the service. And all I could think of is, what's the punchline? What's the punchline? And and uh, my, the friend, the guy that told me this, he said, yeah, and I kept waiting for the punchline, and it never came. And I'm like, what is going on? Maybe he's making a bigger deal. So Wednesday came, and I had like six more people come up to me. Are you okay? What's going on? And I'm like, finally I caught on. Matt, you mastermind. Uh, 
the best prank he's played on me so far is this, that he said nice things that required people to respond to me personally and wonder if everything was okay. Like, I had so many people asking me about it, I started wondering myself, am I okay? Uh, hmm, I'm not sure. So well done, Matthew. Uh, but in all seriousness, the, uh, you know, we, we do go through times of just being busy. And I would say that this is a season in my life that seems to be that way, of just being kind of busy and, uh, you know, trying not to go, okay, if I can just get through this next event, if I can just work through this next thing, if, if I can just buckle down, I'll be fine for the next thing. Meanwhile, you know, you get tired. Any of you ever get tired and just feel like, ugh, I just, just need to rest, if I could just get some rest? And, and sometimes we, we all go into those places. And, and uh, I, I think one of the problems with that, though, is, like, what is rest? I mean, really, like, what is rest? We, we think about it, and, and generally speaking, we might think, well, Rest might be sleeping in, um, but somehow, I don't know, I, I sleep in and the next day I'm still tired, so it doesn't seem to be that kind of rest. Or maybe it's like, I'm just going to binge something on Netflix. I'm just going to, like, my brain is just going to not think about stuff, just going to rest. But binging doesn't really seem to be rest. And yet, it's these type of things that we see from our world that doesn't seem to really reach our soul. And so maybe, in the midst of all of this, God has a plan for rest that may even include being busy. And we're going to see that in the passage today as we walk through it. Uh, I should note a couple of things. One, um, I have some principles here, and I'm going to ask Joel Klein to go ahead and put those up on the screen. If you have your camera, you might want to take a picture of that because there is no slide that will refer to these principles. We'll just be referring to them as we go and walk through the passage. The passage will be up for us, and part of the reason that we're focusing on the, slide, the passage uh, for our slides is we really do want to immerse ourselves in it. You may be thinking, eh, is it redundant for... Pastor Jason to come out and read it, and then we walk through it slowly, I would say that there is some creative redundancy that is on purpose that we would immerse ourselves in the Word of God and, and just kind of soak it in. So there is some purpose uh, to what we're doing today. But we're going to walk through these principles. And as we walk through these principles in Mark chapter 6, I, I want to I identify where we've just been. So in, in Mark chapter 6, there was the rejection of Jesus, primarily, in uh, Nazareth. So Jesus comes into Nazareth with this much he wants to do. This much he seems to be willing to do, according to the text. But those in Nazareth, uh, only a few of them take him up on it. So instead of all of these things, a few people respond in faith to him and are willing to follow him this much. And so this is what happens in Nazareth, even though... Jesus had planned this much. And so, as a response to their lack of faith in Nazareth, Jesus shows his disciples genuine faith. And he challenges them and sends them out. And as he sends them out, they're going to be teaching, they're going to be preaching, they're going to be healing, they're going to be casting out demons, and that's exactly what they're supposed to do. Except that they also aren't supposed to take things with them. 
They're not supposed to prepare ahead of time. They're just going out. Who knows when their job's done? Uh, how will it get done? When will it get done? Well, what happens if this, you know, scenario A, scenario B, scenario C? And you can see that Jesus puts them in this constant tension of trust. Will it be fear or will it be faith? Uh, at the end of uh, the section that, that we went through last week, there was the death of John the Baptist. That he's killed. And, and we see this faithful servant of God who is willing to follow God, even when it's hard, lose his life. Or maybe in the context of the passage, he, he actually more fulfills the life that he's been called to and is willing to offer his life up. And so it's within this tension that's happening in the narrative of Mark chapter 6 that, that we see the disciples. They are returning from uh, going out in faith, from this call to go out. And so, I, I again, want to encourage you to put yourself in that place. What would it be like to follow Jesus in such a way that we're just supposed to go? That there's no preparation, that in that moment we're supposed to go. And as we go, we're constantly in the tension of, will I walk in faith, will I walk in fear? And at the end of that time, they come together. And in this place of coming together, they're about to talk about it. This is what happened. This is how God met us. This is what happens when we spoke in faith and demons left. And there's some excitement. Watch and see. I would say that the first principle that we look at in verses 30 through 32 is this. Jesus invites us to rest in his presence. So that real rest is actually found in Jesus as opposed to the circumstances around us. Watch and see how that plays out starting in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place. This is an isolated place. This is a place away from everyone else. Perhaps the reason that this place is away from everyone else is because there aren't some natural reasons to be there. There's no well or body of water. Perhaps there's no real city or food nearby. And Jesus calls them away to that place to rest. It's an interesting phrase, the phrase rest. Uh, the first time we see it is in Genesis. It's when God rests on the seventh day. That, that God enters into this time of rest. The early church had a belief that uh, it was during this time uh, of rest that actually is a foreshadowing of Jesus' rest when he goes to the tomb. So they saw that this rest is actually about the salvation that is being offered to people in a restorative sort of way, that God himself is willing to rest to redeem. And so rest carries with it, at least in the early church, this idea of redemption that God wants to restore. And that's what we see as we continue on. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. They are so busy that they don't even have the opportunity to stop and eat. Perhaps to the first century mind, to those 
uh, who, who are reading Mark's account, they would have been drawn to another account, account of a group of people who followed the Lord in the wilderness, a group of people who are following the Lord and have to depend on God's unique provision for them. They, they have no time to go hunting, but God himself supplies for them, provides. Verse 32, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Let me just pause here for a moment. You, you ever have expectations? Imagine that you're in the presence of the Lord. And he says, friends, let's go away and let's rest. Oh, man, we're going to watch Netflix. We're going to sleep in. It's going to be great. Whatever it is, you have an expectation. Let me ask you, how do you do when your expectation isn't met? Easy, right? No problem. I just go with the flow. Most of us don't. And we're going to see some hints in this passage that the disciples didn't either. So the first principle, Jesus invites us to rest in his presence. And that this rest is redemptive by nature. Well, we continue on in verse 33 with the second principle. Jesus has compassion and provides rest for his people. So based on Jesus' compassion, he is the one who provides rest. In other words, I can't go hunting and finding. It's actually Jesus who offers it. Verse 33. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Uh, I thought we were resting. Verse 34. Uh, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion. Uh, this word carries with it this uh, emotional, it's a very uh, emotional word. It's kind of in the, in the pits of who he is. And Jesus has this emotional response when he sees them. And, and what Mark records is this, but they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion on them, but they were like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, this is a, a rabbinical way of teaching, by the way. It's called remez. Some of you have heard me talk about that before. Remez, it, it means hint, um, illusion, right? Like there's a hint of something in the past that has occurred. And so a popular way that rabbis would teach would, give it, would be to give a hint. And so they'd give a hint about an Old Testament passage that then they would take and apply in their context, and we, we do something sort of like that, not as formalized as they would have in uh, the first century and the centuries to follow, but uh, we do that. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, anybody ever see Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I'm not encouraging it, okay? But it's pretty good. Um, so... Ferris Bueller's Day Off, there is a scene with Ben Stein. Ben Stein's the teacher. Ferris Bueller is taking another day off, uh, doing his own thing. And the way that Ben Stein is teaching is he continually repeats stuff until someone answers or he gets frustrated and then he just answers it and moves on. And so there's this moment where he's going through attendance and he goes, Bueller, 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 Bueller. And then someone finally speaks up and, uh, and then he moves on. And so, uh, in our home, this happened a, a few years ago, where I asked a question at our table with uh, some of the kids present, and, and uh, Cindy was there, and nobody said anything. And so my response was, Bueller, 
Bueller, Bueller, and then finally someone spoke. So what am I saying? That is an example of Ramez, where we take something from the past, a shared, uh, shared knowledge, and we put it into a, a context of our day. And that's what we see here, that uh, Jesus has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, which is exactly the phrase that's used in 1 Kings twenty-two seventeen, when the prophet is telling Ahab uh, about his leadership skills. It happens the same in Ezekiel 34, 5. And I, by the way, I would encourage you to go back sometime this week and read that uh, Ezekiel 34 supplementally. But Ezekiel 34, verse 5, um, prophetically a word is given about the leaders of Israel and that the people of Israel, it's like they have no shepherd. Additionally, in Zechariah 10, verses 2 through 3, um, uh, this phrase is used, but also the emphasis of that passage is that the Lord cares and the Lord is ultimately their shepherd. And so you have Jesus who is inviting his disciples to rest, and you have Jesus who is having compassion on a group of people who are like sheep without a shepherd, except for he's their shepherd. And the Lord has arrived, and the Lord cares. And he began to teach them many things. Verse 35, and the third principle. Jesus provides abundant rest in his provision for his people. Jesus provides abundant rest in his provision for his people. So Jesus is going to give rest, what real rest looks like, but he's going to do it in an abundant sort of way, and he's going to do it through his provision. Watch and see. Verse 35, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Did, did you catch that? There's maybe a little bit of cynicism here. They're using Jesus' words against him. You said rest. You said we're going to a desolate place. And here we are in a desolate place, and there are all these people. FYI, Jesus, we're not resting. It's not happening. And, and they use his words sort of to kind of come back at him. In verse 36, they continue, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Let them go do their thing. They're going to starve if they stay here. But he, Jesus, answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? And again, we read that and go, oh, interesting comment. But really, it's also filled with some cynicism here. Their expectations aren't being met. And what they're saying is, Jesus, do you want us to take 55% of our annual income and go find a bread store and buy that much worth of bread there? Is that what you want? Uh, I mean, imagine how ridiculous that statement is because that's what it would take to feed that many people. And he said to them, uh, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. So they collectively, among 5,000 men and whoever else is accompanying them, they have found five loaves of bread and two fish. This is crumbs in the pocket. This isn't feeding anybody. 
not in a significant way. And in the kingdom of this world, we would go, we're out of luck. I guess it's not going to work. Verse 39, then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. Verse 41, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. It almost feels like this Exodus movement and the manna from heaven that is given to the people that they have enough every time they trust the Lord and follow him. And he divided the two fish among them all, verse 42, and they all ate and were satisfied. If you have your Bible open, I would encourage you to underline that word satisfied because, uh, look, they are not satisfied up to that moment. But uniquely in Jesus' provision, um, he gives them rest and peace. They're satisfied. They're satisfied in a significant way. Following up, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Some commentators say, yep, that's one basket per disciple. That makes sense. Uh, other commentators say, uh, well, that could also be referring to uh, the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, and reminding of God's provision for the 12 tribes of Israel. Could be that also. But what we ultimately see is that God, that Jesus provides uniquely and specifically for them. But let's ask one more question. When do they eat? When do they eat? Well, they, they eat after collectively they've offered to the Lord. So they've gone about, they've collectively offered something, and then once the Lord blesses it, he gives thanks, and then they eat. Now, why is that significant? Well, let me suggest it's significant because there's a collective nature to our faith that we often overlook, that Jesus is commenting about, that we're in this together, that these disciples, if they're going to get rest, they're going to have to follow him in his invite. And sometimes the world is just not going to slow down for you to sleep in. Sometimes the world is not going to slow down for you uh, to binge something. Sometimes exactly where God wants you is in a busy place around a lot of people. And even in that place, supernaturally, God can give rest. But we're in this together. And so we ask the question, what do we offer? Well, if you go through a membership class uh, at Friendship Church, one of the things that we'll talk about, actually we'll talk about three things. They're the three T's. And so the first one, we might talk about treasure. Collectively, when, when we come together to give something to the Lord that he might bless it and multiply it in some beautiful ways that we could rest in him and his provision, uh, our treasures, that's one of the ways. Uh, some people will, will ask this question. So in giving, I think it's 10%. That's what tithe means, so 10%. So should that be gross or should that be net? How does that work? And some of you are meticulous and it's not from a bad place. It's just, I want to honor God and I tell me what it is and I'll do it. And others of you are kind of like, yeah, uh, details aren't really my thing. Uh, I just want to honor God. Uh, just tell me what I need to do to honor God. Both of those, God bless you, God bless you. But... Uh, we see from the New Testament that there actually are a couple of commands for us. 
as it relates to us giving. The first one is this, that it's sacrificial. Whatever sacrificial is, that our giving would be sacrificial, that I am sacrificially going to give to the Lord. Uh, as, as we look at these five loaves and two fish, somebody was going without so that others could have. And it wasn't even enough. And yet God blessed it. It's sacrificial. For some people, sacrificial is $5. For other people, sacrificial is much more. And to both, God bless you. It can be finances, but it can also be the things that we have, the way that we are able to steward those things that the Lord has allowed for us to have, that we can bless others with it. We do that collectively. Additionally, talent. So talent, that's another way that we collectively give an offer to, offering to the Lord that he might take it and multiply it in some beautiful ways. Some of you are spiritually gifted with unique spiritual gifts. Others, uh, you have spiritual gifts, but you also have abilities that you've learned through training and time. And you're excellent at those things. And God bless you. Those are to be offered to the Lord. And we do those things collectively. Uh, Shakopee, this Friendship in Shakopee wouldn't be here if it wasn't for people who sacrificially gave and sacrificially uh, gave of their talent. By the way, the other New Testament command is to give cheerfully. So whatever it is that we're giving, we're giving cheerfully. The, uh, the Greek word that's used there is where we get the English word hilarious. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it just, it just tickles my heart to give. I love this. That's the idea behind it. And, and so we do that, not just with our finances, but also with our talents. And then the third T that we collectively give uh, is our time. A couple weeks ago, by the way, I want to thank you. Uh, thank you for hearing me a few weeks ago uh, as we came together. I, I asked this request, if possible. And I recognize that sometimes it's not possible. This is not about shaming anybody. It is not. But if possible, could you please come in on time at 1045? And the reason is that we can collectively give an offering of worship to the Lord and honor the Lord and honor others who have prepared ahead of time so that we can uh, glorify God, that somehow, supernaturally, God will meet us and give us the rest that we need in that place, and also multiply our offering in a way that gives him glory. And I want to thank you for digging in on that uh, and for responding in faith, recognizing that I know that for some that that was uh, planning ahead, and for some that put pressure on you in ways that perhaps was even difficult, and so I want to thank you. So let's move on to verse 45 and the fourth principle. Jesus has authority over all storms and invites us to rest in him. Jesus has authority over all storms and invites us to rest in him, even in the midst of the storm. Listen to the narrative that unfolds in front of us. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. Hey, that's a good deal. Jesus is saying, you guys, go ahead and get a head start. Uh, I'll meet you over there. Do what you need to do. I have this crowd. Oh, that sounds like maybe some rest. That's fantastic. It's just going to be the 12 of us. We're going to talk about how amazing that was that, 
that uh, God uniquely and specifically and in powerful ways provided for those 5,000 men and everyone else that was in the group. That was amazing. And that there were leftovers. We're, we're boating on over. Verse 46. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And Jesus is constantly in fellowship with the Father. It, it appears that Jesus goes to the Father in preparation even for his disciples. That, that should give us a little bit of heart. That though Jesus may put us in specific places at specific times and for specific reasons, that he still has this fellowship in mind that on our behalf he is our ultimate mediator and is taking care of this relationship that sometimes we don't even know how to take care of. He's preparing the way. Verse 47, and when evening came, the boat was out, of, was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. Verse 48, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. I thought you called me to rest, and I'm working so hard in this boat. It is so difficult to get to the other side, and they're working hard. And what's Jesus doing? Don't miss it. He sees them. He knows they're working hard. He's got his eyes on them when they can't keep his eyes on him. I see you. And perhaps in a way, maybe you need to hear that message today. Maybe out of all these principles, this is a part of the message that the Lord may have for you, that I see you in the midst of rough waters. I see you in the midst of that storm. I see you. I know you. I'm coming to you. And maybe that principle gives you just a little bit of hope in the midst of a storm that you could be going through even today. The winds and the waves are against them. And about the fourth Watch of the night, that's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea. Because in, in the kingdom of God, Jesus has authority to do all things. The kingdom of God, Jesus is the king. And because he's also the creator, he has authority over the kingdom of the world, too. He can do all things, even walk on a sea. I, I love this, this next line. It just, it makes me laugh. Uh, so he came to them walking on the sea. Uh, he meant to pass by them. Like, how would that have worked? Hey, guys. Uh, what's up, fellas? You know, like, what would that have looked like? That is just, that is funny to me. Uh, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. And you, you can imagine, by the way, Second Temple Judaism saw often they, they would see these deep places of water, these bodies of water, uh, as the abyss. Now, this is where demonic activity is happening. When they say that they thought he was a ghost, that would have made sense in their worldview. For they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. You're living in this place of tension, of faith and fear. You don't have to live in fear. This is a time of faith. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. Verse 52. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And some people uh, see that hardened, and they immediately think of Pharaoh. It's, it, it's not that type of hardened. It's a, it's a different kind of idea uh, one commentator, Jay Adams, he, he says that 
that really this is a true but weakened believer. And sometimes when life is crazy and you're not getting that rest that Jesus has called you to, it's easy to get weak. It's easy to be overwhelmed. It's easy to question what's right in front of you and what is clear to everybody else. And that's where they're at. Well, why did God do it that way? Why did it work out that way? Why, why doesn't it work out that way at other times? You can imagine how they're believers, but they're just weakened. Notice a few things from this passage so far. They didn't see Jesus, but Jesus saw them. They were obedient even when it was difficult. Even though they were missing the point, Jesus still came to them. Things calmed when Jesus, when the disciples recognized who Jesus was. And maybe that's true in the boat of our own hearts as well. Principle five. Jesus restores and brings rest through his healing power. Jesus restores and brings rest through his healing power. Verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. There's no sleeping in yet. There's no binging. It is just busy. And there is rest still. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. Reminds us of Mark chapter 5. This woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years reaches out and touches the hem of Jesus' garment. A sign in those days that she believes this could be the Messiah. And in faith, I'm trusting that you are the Messiah because there's going to be healing power in your tassels, in the hem of your garment, in the corners of your prayer shawl. I'm trusting you for this. And she reaches out and touches him. And indeed, she is healed. And as many as touched it were made well, it is confirmed that Jesus is indeed the giver of rest. And this rest brings redemption and restoration, and it gives it to people. And the people learn that Jesus is the deliverer of this rest, and that this rest is only found in Jesus. Romans 5.1 says it this way, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, just as if we had not sinned by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we have this peace that is this shalom rest that has been given to us. Why? Because of the work of the gospel, that there is a God who loved us so much that he was willing to go to the cross and pay a debt that you and I couldn't pay. But that my sin put him there and your sin put him there. And that somehow he was willing to pay this debt, not just that, but offer life to anyone who would call on him. And for those who call on his name, he gives the right to be called children of God, taking them out of the kingdom of this world into this kingdom of heaven. And this group of people can have peace in the midst of really chaotic days. I just wonder today if you would like that peace if you would respond to the Lord and that peace. 
I had initially uh, some questions. I'm going to skip over those questions today, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come out. And as the worship team's coming out, I want to prepare our hearts for communion. At Friendship Church, you don't have to be a member of Friendship Church, but we do ask that you are a follower of Jesus, that you've surrendered to him as your Lord and Savior, that in a real way you, you are wanting to follow him, to call him Lord and Savior. The communion, uh, sorry, the word of God tells us to take some time to examine our hearts. That if there's any unconfessed sin, that we would confess that sin and repent and turn to the Lord. If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. At Friendship, after you've taken some time to, to just seek the Lord, to seek the peace of the Lord, you are free to get both elements. And we encourage you to do it this way. In an orderly way, you can go to the carpeted uh, aisle and go to the station nearest you, getting both elements and returning in the outer aisle to your seat. And then Pastor Jason will come momentarily and, uh, and lead us in a time of communion. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you, you have a plan and it's a good plan. We love you, O oh Lord. We thank you for the rest that is only found in you, even in chaotic days. We lean into your provision, and indeed, you are our provision. And so today, Lord, we, we would ask to receive this rest, though we might find that our provision seems to be insufficient, though we may find that our situation is a storm that we can't get through on our own. We're leaning into you. We love you. And we want to receive that rest today. In Jesus' name.